Chapters 37 and 38 of A House of Gentlefolk by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 37 For more than two hours Lavretsky wandered about the streets of town. The night he had spent in the outskirts of Paris returned to his mind. His heart was bursting, and his head dull and stunned was filled again with the same dark senseless angry thoughts constantly recurring she is alive she is here he muttered with ever fresh amazement he felt that he had lost lisa his wrath choked him this blow had fallen too suddenly upon him how could he so readily have believed in the nonsensical gossip of a journal a wretched scrap of paper well if i had not believed it he thought what difference would it have made i should not have known that lisa loved me she would not have known it herself he could not rid himself of the image the voice the eyes of his wife and he cursed himself he cursed everything in the world wearied out he went towards morning to Lem's. For a long while he could make no one hear. At last, at a window, the old man's head appeared in a nightcap, sour, wrinkled, and utterly unlike the inspired austere visage which twenty-four hours ago had looked down imperiously upon Lavretsky in all the dignity of artistic grandeur. "'What do you want?' queried Lem. "'I can't play to you every night.' i have taken a decoction for a cold but lavretsky's face apparently struck him as strange the old man made a shade for his eyes with his hand took a look at his belated visitor and let him in lavretsky went into the room and sank into a chair the old man stood still before him wrapping the skirts of his shabby striped dressing-gown around him shrinking together and gnawing his lips my wife is here lavretsky brought out he raised his head and suddenly broke into involuntary laughter lem's face expressed bewilderment but he did not even smile only wrapped himself closer in his dressing-gown of course you don't know lavretsky went on i had imagined i read in a paper that she was dead oh did you read that lately asked lem yes lately oh repeated the old man raising his eyebrows and is she here yes she is at my house now and i-i am an unlucky fellow and he laughed again you are an unlucky fellow lem repeated slowly christopher fedoritch began lavretsky would you undertake to carry a note for me hm may i know to whom lisaveta ah yes yes i understand very good and when must the letter be received to-morrow as early as possible hm i can send uh, catherine my cook uh, no i will go myself and you will bring me an answer yes i will bring you an answer lem sighed yes my poor young friend 
you are certainly an unlucky young man lavretsky wrote a few words to lisa he told her of his wife's arrival begged her to appoint a meeting with him then he flung himself on the narrow sofa with his face to the wall and the old man lay down on the bed and kept muttering a long while coughing and drinking off his decoction by gulps the morning came they both got up with strange eyes they looked at one another at that moment lavretsky longed to kill himself the cook katrine brought them some villainous coffee it struck eight lem put on his hat and saying that he was going to give a lesson at the kalitins at ten but he could find a suitable pretext for going there now he set off lavretsky flung himself again on the little sofa and once more the same bitter laugh stirred in the depth of his soul he thought of how his wife had driven him out of his house he imagined lisa's position covered his eyes and clasped his hands behind his head at last lem came back and brought him a scrap of paper on which lisa had scribbled in pencil the following words we cannot meet to-day perhaps to-morrow evening good-bye lavretsky thanked lem briefly and indifferently and went home he found his wife at breakfast ada in curl papers in a little white frock with blue ribbons was eating her mutton cutlet varvara pavlovna rose at once directly lavretsky entered the room and went to meet him with humility in her face he asked her to follow him into the study shut the door after them and began to walk up and down she sat down modestly laying one hand over the other and began to follow his movements with her eyes which were still beautiful though they were penciled lightly under their lids for some time lavretsky could not speak he felt that he could not master himself he saw clearly that varvara pavlovna was not in the least afraid of him but was assuming an appearance of being ready to faint away in another instant listen madam he began at last breathing with difficulty and at moments setting his teeth it is useless for us to make pretense with one another i don't believe in your penitence and even if it were sincere to be with you again to live with you would be impossible for me varvara pavlovna bit her lips and half closed her eyes it is aversion she thought all is over in his eyes i am not even a woman impossible repeated lavretsky fastening the top buttons of his coat i don't know what induced you to come here i suppose you have come to the end of your money ah you hurt me whispered varvara pavlovna however that may be you are anyway my wife unhappily i cannot drive you away and this is the proposal i make you you may to-day if you like set off to lavriki and live there there is as you know a good house there you will have everything you need in addition to your allowance do you agree varvara pavlovna raised an embroidered handkerchief to her face i have told you already she said her lips twitching nervously 
that i will consent to whatever you think fit to do with me at present it only remains for me to beg of you will you allow me at least to thank you for your magnanimity no thanks i beg it is better without that lavretsky said hurriedly so then he pursued approaching the door i may reckon on to-morrow i will be at lavriki varvara pavlovna declared rising respectfully from her place but fedor ivanitch she no longer called him theodor what do you want i know i have not yet gained any right to forgiveness may i hope at least that with time ah varvara pavlovna lavretsky broke in you are a clever woman but i too am not a fool i know that you don't want forgiveness in the least and i have forgiven you long ago but there was always a great gulf between us i know how to submit rejoined varvara pavlovna bowing her head i have not forgotten my sin i should not have been surprised if i had learned that you even rejoiced at the news of my death she added softly slightly pointing with her hand to the copy of the journal which was lying forgotten by lavretsky on the table Fyodor Ivanovich started. The paper had been marked in pencil. Varvara Pavlovna gazed at him with still greater humility. She was superb at that moment. Her grey Parisian gown clung gracefully round her supple, almost girlish figure. Her slender, soft neck encircled by a white collar, her bosom gently stirred by her even breathing her hands innocent of bracelets and rings, her whole figure, from her shining hair to the tip of her just visible little shoe, was so artistic. Lavretsky took her in with a glance of hatred. Scarcely could he refrain from crying, Bravo! Scarcely could he refrain from felling her with a blow of his fist on her shapely head, and he turned on his heel. An hour later he had started for Vasilyevskaya, and two hours later Varvara Pavlovna had bespoken the best carriage in the town, had put on a simple straw hat with a black veil and a modest mantle, given Ada into the charge of Justine, and set off to the Kalitins. From the inquiries she had made among the servants, she had learned that her husband went to see them every day chapter thirty eight the day of the arrival of lavretsky's wife at the town of o a sorrowful day for him had been also a day of misery for lisa she had not had time to go downstairs and say good morning to her mother when the tramp of hoofs was heard under the window and with a secret dismay she saw Punchin riding into the courtyard. He has come so early for a final explanation, she thought, and she was not mistaken. After returning the drawing-room, he suggested that she should go with him into the garden, and then asked her for the decision of his fate. Lisa summoned up all her courage and told him that she could not be his wife he heard her to the end standing on one side of her and pulling his hat down over his forehead courteously but in a changed voice he asked her 
was this her last word and had he given her any ground for such a change in her views then pressed his hand to his eyes sighed softly and abruptly and took his hand away from his face again i did not want to go along the beaten track he said huskily i wanted to choose a wife according to the dictates of my heart but it seems this was not to be farewell fond dream he made lisa a profound bow and went back into the house she hoped that he would go away at once but he went into Maria Dmitrievna's room and remained nearly an hour with her. As he came out, he said to Lisa, Votre mère vous appelle. Adieu à jamais. Mounted his horse and set off at full trot from the very steps. Lisa went in to Maria Dmitrievna and found her in tears. Panshin had informed her of his ill luck. Do you want to be the death of me? Do you want to be the death of me? Was how the disconsolate widow began her lamentations. Whom do you want? Wasn't he good enough for you? A Kammerjunker. Not interesting. He might have married any maid of honor he liked in Petersburg, and I, I had so hoped for it is it long that you have changed towards him how has his misfortune come on us it cannot have come of itself is it that dolt of a cousin's doing a nice person you have picked up to advise you and he poor darling maria dmitrievna went on how respectful he is how attentive even in his sorrow he has promised not to desert me. Ah, oh, I can never bear that. Ah, oh, my head aches fit to split. Send me Palashka. You will be the death of me if you don't think better of it. Do you hear? And, calling her twice an ungrateful girl, Maria Dmitrievna dismissed her. She went to her own room but she had not had time to recover from her interviews with Panshin and her mother before another storm broke overhead, and this time from a quarter from which she would least have expected it. Marfa Timofevna came into her room and at once slammed the door after her. The old lady's face was pale, her cap was awry, her eyes were flashing, and her hands and lips were trembling. Lisa was astonished. She had never before seen her sensible and reasonable aunt in such a condition. A pretty thing, miss, Marfa Timofevna began in a shaking and broken whisper. A pretty thing. Who taught you such ways, I should like to know, miss? Give me some water. I can't speak. Calm yourself, auntie. What is the matter? said Lisa, giving her a glass of water. Why, I thought you did not think much of Mr. Punchin yourself. Marfa Timofevna pushed away the glass. I can't drink. I shall knock my last teeth out if I try to. What's Punchin to do with it? Why bring Punchin in? 
you had better tell me who has taught you to make appointments at night eh miss lisa turned pale now please don't try to deny it pursued marfa timofevna shurochka herself saw it all and told me i have had to forbid her chattering but she is not a liar i don't deny it auntie lisa uttered scarcely audibly ah ah that's it is it miss you made an appointment with him that old sinner who seems so meek no how then i went down into the drawing-room for a book he was in the garden and he called me and you went a pretty thing so you love him eh i love him answered lisa softly merciful heavens she loves him marfa timofevna snatched off her cap she loves a married man ah she loves him he told me began lisa what has he told you this scoundrel eh he told me that his wife was dead marfa timofevna crossed herself peace be with her she muttered she was a vain hussy god forgive her so then he's a widower i suppose and he's losing no time i see he has buried one wife and now he's after another he's a nice person only let me tell you one thing niece in my day when i was young harm came to young girls from such goings-on don't be angry with me my girl only fools are angry at the truth i have given orders not to admit him to-day i love him but i shall never forgive him for this upon my word a widower give me some water but as for your sending punchin about his business i think you are a first-rate girl for that only don't you go sitting of nights with any animals of that sort don't break my old heart or else you'll see i'm not all fondness i can bite too a widower marfa timofevna went off and lisa sat down in a corner and began to cry there was bitterness in her soul she had not deserved such humiliation love had proved no happiness to her she was weeping for a second time since yesterday evening this new unexpected feeling had only just arisen in her heart and already what a heavy price she had paid for it how coarsely had strange hands touched her sacred secret she felt ashamed and bitter and sick but she had no doubt and no dread and lavretsky was dearer to her than ever she had hesitated while she did not understand herself but after that meeting after that kiss she could hesitate no more she knew that she loved and now she loved honestly and seriously she was bound firmly for all her life and she did not fear reproaches she felt that by no violence could they break that bond end of chapters thirty seven and thirty eight